Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick of God Awful Movies, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. This is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin. I am I am once one eight. Oh, tournament using Uno cards. Joining me is the dude who taught old dogs a variety of new tricks. The police often questions him just because they find him interesting. Tyler. That's actually true. <laughs> and he is the life of the party, even the one he hasn't attended. Kevin. Hello, everybody. I love you all. Guys, welcome back. I hope you guys had a great couple of weeks that uh, we haven't seen you in a while. Well, pal, anyway. Yeah, bronchitis. Been well, sick, so. Yeah, it's good to be back. A couple of uh, quick uh, things that are going on in the news. Apparently, CETA might be dead. Have you guys heard of CETA? Uh, no. It's a free trade agreement that Canada was supposed to have with oh, the European right. Union. Right, yes. I thought you were talking about a person. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CETA used to date her. Remember? <laughs> She's dead. Big, blonde. Tall gal. Uh, no, she's... Uh, she. <laughs> Apparently, there's a region in Belgium called a Wallonia. They decide to refuse to sign to the accord, and therefore, Belgium could not sign to the accord. Therefore, the theme might be dead. That's good. No, I'm not sure what that exactly means, but uh, I hear a lot of people saying they don't like that CETA accord. One of the reasons is, apparently, and somebody maybe can correct me on this, apparently, it opens up... Um, civil government, and you talk about local governments, not just federal government, but provincial and local governments, to be sued by corporations when yep. they take out bids or create laws. Yeah, that would be bad. So you can have a little company out of Europe that decides to, they're going to lose profit because some city decided to ban plastic forks or something, and all of a sudden they can be sued. And, of course, it doesn't add to the fact that Canada is actually apparently the most sued country in the world when it comes to trade. I did not know that. Yeah. So I it remind, reminds me of the whole um, Henry Ford thing where he wanted to pay his employees a decent wage. Mm-hmm. And the uh, stockholders wanted to sue him over it because they would lose money. Like You want to do the right thing and then you get sued for it. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> for these stockholders, the right thing is making more money, apparently. Yeah, that's, a, that's what the articles had said there, too. Must know. be like NAFTA, kind of, eh? Must be, must be. Uh, there's also the idea that, um, the idea, apparently Mosul, this is in uh, Syria, has been uh, recaptured. Hmm. Apparently, the forces of, uh, are driving out ISIS, and this is one of the big, it's a big blow for ISIS, apparently, because it was one of the big cities they captured, and uh, it was kind of like they're almost their flagship. So apparently that is, uh, we, we're recapturing that, so that's a good thing. Wasn't that like a multinational force that took it, like Russia and like... Uh, yeah, by saying they, I'm, I'm not assuming it's just the U.S. here doing this. I'm yeah. assuming it was a, an effort. I don't know exactly, but that's good news nonetheless. Did you guys also hear that the U.N., has named Wonder Woman an honorary ambassador. Mm. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah, is she real? 
Well, the funny thing is, they even had uh, Linda Carter, who I don't know if you guys remember Linda Carter. Yeah. She was the, uh, the original. original actress in the TV shows in the 70s, mm-hmm. actually there to talk about the whole issue, as well as the uh, woman that's going to be playing Wonder Woman in the upcoming movie, and I forget her name. Hmm. I can't remember. I am not. I haven't watched TV in so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, good for them, I guess. It's kind of it's kind of odd to think of Wonder Woman as a fictional character being recognized by the UN, but I guess that just shows the effect of pop culture on our on our everyday lives. And is it just me? But did you guys also feel like there might be a new Cold War starting soon here? Yeah, that's uh, that's in the in the making here. Putin's not happy with uh with anything. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, the Russia's being accused of uh, meddling in the U.S. election. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they also sent a big chunk of their fleet to Syria. Yeah. Now, China apparently has joined in as well. Now, uh, this morning, I was reading that the Philippines said it would ally themselves with Russia and China, and they don't want to ally themselves with the U.S. no more. Yeah. So you could be having a cold war in the making here over yeah. what's going to happen in Syria. Well, the United States sort of had it coming, I'm sad to say. <laughs> well, what's that guy's name? I can't remember his name, but he's part of the Russian government. He's kind of well-known as a crackpot, and he goes on and on about how you have to elect Donald Trump or there's going to be this big war with Russia. Yeah, I think that would agree with assault. Well, I, yeah, me too. I mean, it just doesn't seem very plausible. But Although I feel very bad for American friends because they're caught between a buffoon and a corrupt person, so... I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, and uh, i got to say this, you know, just because I don't like Hillary Clinton doesn't mean I support Trump. Mm-hmm. The man's a buffoon, but I, I don't think either one of these people should be near the presidency. Yeah, it's too bad about Bernie, but what, oh, can, yeah, what well, can you do, right? Yeah, this whole Russian thing, I've had so many debates about this lately, like with the no-fly zone and all this stuff and yeah, how yeah. Russia's helping Assad and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're criticizing Hillary because she's, saying that she's going to go after Assad, which I support. I really don't think that... Uh, you think Hillary should go after Assad? Uh, after, uh, Assad sorry. after Assad, yeah. Assad, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought I, I was, in my mind, I was thinking Julian Assange. Assange? No, no, no. Assad no. is a monster. But I really don't think that, you know, if we have a no-fly zone, that some there's going to be an accident and shoot down, you know, a Russian aircraft and then they're going to start war. It, it just doesn't benefit Russia either, right? So... No, I, I totally agree, but it's it's often these kind of words that um, get things going that really shouldn't. Um, I mean, um, Assad might be a bit of a son of a gun, but it's a bit like Saddam Hussein. You know, I've always said Hussein was a, a horrible person, but he kept everybody else in check around him. So as soon as you removed Hussein, you had a vacuum that was filled by a whole bunch of things, which of course evolved eventually into ISIS. Who knows what's going to happen if you remove Assad? Yeah, just this whole, oh, there's going to be a nuclear war. Well, if you actually read the history on it, Russia has tried to avoid it at all costs. They've had so many opportunities over the past, like, 70 years to start it, and they don't want it, and neither do we. No, no, but but Hillary's a bit of a war hawk too, right? She did say in a video that she would uh, uh, take any cyber attack and consider it just like a regular attack, right, and engage militarily if she had to. So, uh I don't know. It doesn't look good either way. I just don't understand why Russia's basically supporting Assad. It would be in uh, Hillary's best interest to say that she was willing to go to war for anything, but the whole 
cyber attack thing, treating that like a regular attack is yeah, kind of... Yeah, I, I thought it was bit. overblown, too. Well, the yeah. problem was there's there was that article where Sputnik, which was the the Russian news station, kind of quote-mined or cherry-picked from the uh, WikiLeaks article, mm-hmm. and then they blamed it on WikiLeaks. There's just so much stuff out there that people are posting from <laughs> ridiculous sources. WikiLeaks. I'm like, why don't you just check the WikiLeaks thing instead of yournewswire.com, which is yeah. notoriously unreliable. Like, there's this article where they're saying Hillary Clinton sold weapons to ISIS. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. She no. did supply weapons to the rebels in that area, and obviously weapons, you know, get lost or get and passed around, and she's taking money from Saudi Arabia, who is likely helping fund ISIS. Exactly. It's not the same thing, though. It's but not quite directly, but it's... Yeah, but people just twist it, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, well... Totally. Totally, and I th- also think it needs to be said that uh, WikiLeaks, uh, because I know I've been getting a lot of flack on Facebook for that. WikiLeaks is <laughs> from me and Randy, yeah. <laughs> not just you and Randy, a lot of people, but you know, uh, WikiLeaks is usually just goes out and just releases what they have. They're not, they're not an editorial. They're not, they're not speculating on things. They're just releasing the emails that they have. It's at that point the other news outlet, like you say, that might put their spin under interpretation. Yeah, that's what's happening is people post a story about WikiLeaks, and I'm like, okay. So I go to the WikiLeaks page, and then I check it, and it's like half true, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your phone's talking again. Yeah, it is. So just check, always check the WikiLeaks page itself to see what it says, because you know there was that uh, Newsweek article and some of the RT the Russian television and Spudnik and all these different things. They're just quote mining WikiLeaks and then people just regurgitated on Facebook without checking the original source. Yeah. And there's also this, uh, there's a sad story. Normally it's a story we'd use for, for another segment, but uh, I got to talk about it because it kind of hits me. Uh, it's, it's from home, actually. It's from Levy in Quebec, which is a town I used to be from. Um, there's this uh, young woman. Her name was Eloise Dupuis. 27, and uh, she was pregnant, and she decided to give birth at home. Uh, some complications arose during her birth, and uh, she was transferred to the uh, the hospital, the Hotel du Levy, and they had to do an emergency C-section on the woman, and uh, of course she started hemorrhaging, and they actually had to do that uh, had to do a uh, emergency hysterectomy after that. Now the child is okay, but here is where the spin happens. She's a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, great. So what do you think happened? No blood transfusion. That's right. And then, of course, she died. So I I feel really bad for that kid because that kid's going to grow and have remorse for the rest of his or her life. And he's going to grow in that environment where people are going to say, oh, yeah, she was a good Christian because she didn't take any blood. Yet you're going to grow up without a child. It's mainly your fault. Uh it's hospital apparently said that they, they would have been sued if they had forced her to take blood, and that's what the status of the law is in Canada at this point. Yeah, it really kind of hits home, and I, I I really loathe that kind of story because it's so ridiculous. You know, at twenty seven years old, you got a you got a small child now. That's just you just ruin a life, too. Really. Well, and when that whole thing <laughs> that whole thing was written about, you know, not ingesting blood and that sort of thing. Blood transfusions didn't exist, right? So they're kind of taking it out of context because, yeah. yeah, that's not really what it says. You know what I mean? It doesn't say anything about blood transfusions to save lives. I mean, obviously, it says avoid blood. Well, back then, 
it's probably a good idea to avoid blood with, you know, bacteria and germs and viruses and all this kind of stuff. Just, like, stay away from pork. Well, you didn't have refrigerators and freezers back then. I mean, if your whole town was getting sick and dying because they're eating pig, you might stand up and say, God says don't eat pork. And yep, then everybody exactly. starts living. Okay, it applied a 1,000, 2,000 years ago plus. Let's not carry that into today. That's my issue with the Jehovah Witnesses where they have like a seven-year-old girl who gets into a car accident, needs a blood transfusion, and then they look at these pages that were written 2,000 years ago and they say no blood transfusion because of this and then she dies. And this is the irony of it all because when you debate, especially Christians, you always get, well, you're taking this out of context, you're taking this out of context. Well, this whole blood transfusion thing would be something taken out of context, but the wrong way. Yeah. So there's something ironic about that. So today we're going to be just almost in time for Halloween. We're going to be talking to a Satanist. I have somebody online that we'll be talking to. But before we do that, let's go with Nancy's segment of This Day in History. I'm ready to go. And this day in history, which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the dates between October 17th and October 23rd. So let's start with the 17th, which is a good day. It's the International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. Who could possibly be against them? I'd well, love them to that's eradicate a, that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a winner. Uh, on October 17th in 1888... The first issue of National Geographic, um, the first hit oh. the newsstands. I wonder what was featured in 1888. I bet you it's worth a pretty penny. Yeah, I, I don't know. I should have. I will think at it's some kind of African tribe. You think? I don't think that happens yeah. a lot. In it would have been something, something exotic, you know, that the English would have, um, you know, really gone wild over and talked about in the salons and so forth. <laughs> so, Mr. Livingston, I presume. Yeah, 1888 till 2015, and then our friend, Mr. Murdoch, uh, um, 20th Century is. Fox, um, bought, the, uh, bought the magazine and immediately fired 21 employees. Wow. And I think one of the issues... Uh, everybody was really afraid that it was going to go downhill, but they didn't know how fast. And then they had an issue of, um, is Jesus real? And yeah, everybody right like, oh, it's right gone. And it's a shame. I mean, right that away. has been an institution and a staple for so long. It just, uh, it's like a good friend. You know, and now really there's like 21 employees friend. that are wondering about that eradication yeah. <laughs> 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 of poverty. Okay, October the 21st is Back to the Future Day. Wow. And what a coincidence. Did you, were you a Back to the Future fan? Are you well, that's kind of the music that's playing right now, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. 1989 was the uh, the Back to the Future sequel, and that's when Marty McFly and... Um, who's, who's Doc the, Brown. There you go. Um, and in that episode, in that movie... They were greeted by flying cars, self-tying sneakers, and hovering snake boards. Snake. <laughs> Skateboards. <laughs> the hoverboard. They've been Although trying to snake, make that ever since. Yeah, snakeboards are pretty cool, I would imagine. <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> that would something be interesting. That's a Harry Potter thing. <laughs> yeah. And here, this, is, this is a charming story. I very seldom run across charming stories, but this is charming. On October the 21st, 1918, Margaret Owen, bless her little heart, 
set a typing speed record of 170 words per minute on a manual Underwood typewriter. Ouch. Oh, can you imagine? And one thing, when I researched the story, there are typing championships that are still going on. He started way back, you know, in 1906, and they are still going on, and they're international. So on this particular day, when, when Margaret Owen won hers, it was written up by a, a journalist, and it was written up in in such a lovely way. I've got to read this. Okay. It goes a little long, but this is this is what because you have to realize this is typing championship, right? This mm-hmm. is not this is not a the Super Bowl where the actual characters can get all crossed up and make a mess. That's <laughs> that's right. So this is just an excerpt. This isn't the, the whole article, but this is lovely. Here we go. The weather was perfect and the track fast. At the west end of the armory gallery, crouched over the machines, the girls and men waited. The business show on the floor below faded away into insignificance, while parents, sweethearts, and friends of the competitors crowded upstairs to see the start. Trainer Simmons of the Underwood team rushed from charge to charge, giving them final directions. Keep your eyes on the copy and hit the keys hard, he whispered. Don't try to pocket that Remington entry. You can run her off her chair. The Monarch filly looks good, but she'll blow it the half. She has speed, but no stamina. The whistle shrilled. A roar of racing machines responded. The classic of stenography was on. At the quarter, the field was bunched with Miss Owen just hitting her stride. At the half, she led by a comma and two letters closely pursued (laughs) by Miss Rose Fitz, holder of the title in 1907, 1908, and 1909. Miss Owen then stepped on the throttle. Miss Fitz was game, and the pair swept into the third quarter, word and word. In the stretch, a semicolon caused Miss Fitz to waver, and she was lost. A full sentence ahead of the ruck, Miss Owen breasted the typewriter ribbon, and the race was over. Isn't <laughs> well that written. Lovely? That's awesome. Wow. Isn't that lovely? Miss Fitz. See, Miss this, this is how Fitz. reporting. Miss Fitz she had went. to give up her long-standing championship title. I know. See, wow. if this was written today, it would have been written, yeah, she won the race, and it was Obama's fault. <laughs> that would have been the reporting today. And it was a typewriter. Who cares about <laughs> typewriters anymore? But that was just lovely. And you can Google it. You Google Margaret Owen, 1918 typing, and all of this will come up. And the full article is just absolutely delightful. You that's just don't beautiful. hear, you know, that, that's, that's right. good old-fashioned um, reporting with, with little bows and bouquets attached to it. It's just great. October the 23rd, moving on. Um, This is something I had no idea about. There's something called the Free State of Van Zandt. Really interesting in the U.S. Never knew about it. Uh, So here we go. During the the Civil War and the period of Reconstruction, uh, following the end of the Civil War in 1861, the small towns of Van Zandt County, and this is in Texas, were overrun with federal troops and carpetbaggers, all in the name of Reconstruction. The Van Zandt citizens became fed up with all these troops and carpetbaggers. And in addition, slave owners along the borders um, that once set about looking out 
out for places of safety for their property. Many slaves were brought to Texas during that contest, and for that purpose, the owner of a large number of slaves sent a slave driver to Texas to look out for a place of refuge for his slaves. So this guy came by steamboat to Jefferson, which is also in Texas. This is East Texas. There he secured a horse and saddle and came on horseback to Gilmer, um, and then Quitman, and then on to Canton, which is getting close to the, the center part of Texas. And then he stopped at a hotel, which is called the Blivens Hotel, which was the, the principal hotel in the town. Uh, Editor Johnson of the uh, Canton Times heard that a slave driver had blown into town uh, and and he called on him in in the hotel and in the run of conversation asked him if he was going to bring along his slaves to Van Zandt County. And the guy said, hell no. He said, I'd soon think of taking them to a free state. So a committee of citizens approached the town commissioners informing them that they wanted Van Zandt County to secede from the United States and also from the state of Texas because they didn't want to have the slave owners there. So it passed, and Van Zandt County became the free state of Van Zandt, totally separated from the United States and from the state of Texas. Somehow... That has been omitted from the history books that I experienced in the United States. Yeah. Hmm. So So it wasn't long. So now they're a free state. But it wasn't long before the free state was attacked by federal soldiers from New Orleans. The Van Zandt County soldiers won the Free State War, which called for a celebration with the group ending up all pretty well drunk. But <laughs> while they're all drunk, the federal troops acted quickly by putting all the Free Staters in leg and wrist irons and locking them up in the stockade. However, the federal soldiers didn't check this certain doctor who was in town, his name Dr. Allen. So they didn't check Dr. Allen's pockets where he carried a file. So Dr. Allen was able to file the irons off himself and some of the others, and then seeing that the stockade had no roof, all of these guys who suddenly you know, came out of this drunken stupor um, got together, pushed the, the wall down, and escaped. They all scattered to the east, west, and then into Oklahoma, and Dr. Allen went to Oklahoma where he obtained his physician's license and later went back to, to Van Zandt. After the escape, the federal troops took control of the county, and it again became part of Texas and the United States. This this is a movie. This is right there. you got a story for a movie in there, isn't for that, sure. Isn't that wonderful? I've been through <laughs> Van Zandt County, but never, you know, it, it might have been on one of those hysterical markers at the side of the Wow. Road. But who knew? The free state of Van Zandt. Wonderful. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Another brilliant one. Thank you so much, Nancy. And we'll be right back right after this. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. 
You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Now it's time for an AtheistAudiobooks.com sneak preview. The happy atheist disproving Christianity after faith in our constitution. Here is an excerpt from The Child Catchers, Rescue, Trafficking, and the New Gospel of Adoption by Catherine Joyce. That's when the pressure turned ugly. The musics sat her down, Rianne said, and asked her what her plan to parent was. In a letter she wrote later, she listed the arguments the musics made that placing your child for adoption was biblical, so God would bless me abundantly for my decision, that I had too much potential to be a single mother, and God had big plans for me, that they had to hold me to what I said when I first moved in, and finally, that it shows you care more for your child when you place them for adoption. Rianne didn't know that consent documents for adoption are not legally binding in Washington State until after birth. Everything was screaming at me to keep my child, Rianne said. Rianne wrote the butler's pastor to request that he help mediate some agreement with the family. The social worker called the butlers and returned to Rianne with a message. They didn't want an open adoption or to send any photos, but they said to tell you, thank you for the gift. The Child Catchers, now available at AtheistAudiobooks.com What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. Open up your eyes, can't you see the world is falling? Here we go with this bullshit again. Listen with your ears, can't you hear the Lord is calling? Motherfucker, that's just the win. And, here's the real and we're back. <laughs> so our guest today is an actual real Satanist. I don't know. Where's the show going, right? We have Satanists now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome her, uh, Lilith Star. Lilith, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Got a real live audience here applauding for you. Love it. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Lilith Star, that's like the perfect name. It's a perfect name for a Satanist. It's oh, perfect. Nice, yeah. Lilith, are you aware of the uh, ancient rabbinic tradition that has uh, Eve's na- uh, sorry, not Eve, Adam's first wife called Lilith? Oh, yeah, I'm a little familiar with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For people, yeah. That, for people uh-huh. that might not know, they, they say the reason why there's Genesis 1 and 2 in the Bible is because in the first Genesis where Adam and Eve are created together, according to this ancient Jewish uh, rabbinic tradition, that wasn't Eve, that was Lilith. And Lilith didn't like to be subservient to Adam, so she escaped 
And then she was just fornicating with demons and all that. And then she came back as the serpent to tempt Eve. And that's why in a lot of medieval paintings, you see the snake depicted with having the torso of a woman. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of those. That's not you by any chance, is it? Um, I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I take the fifth. She, we don't have a fifth in Canada. I know. Yeah, yeah, she, she's in Seattle. Well, um, there you go. And then the but star, yeah. p- and the star part is like the whole Lucifer star light bearer thing, right? So that's perfect. Oh, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Go well together. Although Lucifer isn't Satan. Yeah. Not yet. He's, yeah. he's <laughs> <laughs> so, Lou, you staying with us for the rest of the show. So, in the meantime, we will go in our segment called Another Brilliant Moment, brought to you by religion. Oh, yes, the weird and wacky world of religion. I've got a nice little story for you guys here. Now, you know, like everybody's panicking about terrorism. Well, federal investigators have stopped a domestic terrorism plot to bomb a Kansas apartment complex. Now, Lilith, I'm sure you've heard about this plot, right? No? Maybe not? Apparently, uh, no? it's a complex that uh, is home to uh, mostly Somali Muslim. The plot to kill uh, the Muslim was planned by a small group of Christian extremists known as uh, the Crusaders. According to reports, three southern, uh, southern western Kansas men have been charged in, uh, in federal court with domestic terrorism charge. Curtis Allen, 49, Gavin Wright, 49, and Patrick Stein, 47. The three are charged with one count of conspiring to use a weapon of mass destruction. Now, they told the reporters at a news conference downtown Wichita earlier that the men are members of a small militia group called the Crusaders. You know, people don't seem to realize that U.S. is actually more in danger of, of domestic terrorism like that with Christians than they are about Muslim people coming overseas. Christians are the worst. <laughs> well, are you, guys, are you guys familiar with the Army of God? No. Well, they're a Christian group that was going around and shooting uh, doctors who were performing yeah. abortions. Right? I remember that. Like sniper rifles through the kitchen window kind of deal. Like, seriously. And blowing them up with improvised Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Nasty stuff. What's the link that you're reading from? Oh, goodness. Uh, this was actually, it was from uh, uh, the Associated Press. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lilith, anything uh, you heard down uh, down south about uh, these people? Do we have a delay? We lost it. it might be because of the, the oh, sound the music. effects music. Lilith, oh, are Lilith, you there? Are you there? I can't hear you guys. Yeah, I know, it's because oh. of the sound effects, Kevin. you got to kill the sound effects. Can you hear us now? Yes. Oh, there we go. Yes, yes, there we go. Always listen to the blind man, trust me. <laughs> Till the meta. <laughs> All right, let's go for another story then. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Moving along. The U.S. is apparently polluting other nations with homosexuality, says Christian preacher. <laughs> now, apparently, some uh, Christian uh, prophetess, Cindy Jacobs, who uh, thinks she has authority over weather. Apparently, this woman thinks she can control weather. And she apparently helped also a woman grow three inches. <laughs> and turns metal into bone is no stranger to making ridiculous unverified claim and she also likes Donald Trump speaking at a church uh. event with her, her husband uh, she didn't make any endorsement but she warned the congregation that she had uh, that they had to vote or else the US would continue exporting gays overseas <laughs> 
<laughs> Shipping them out in cargo containers? Well, yeah, yeah. The pink cargo containers That's what and I was cargo shorts, well, too. Well, it's all about trade, yeah. right? So if China gives us a whole bunch of people, we can give them back people? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a joke, son. Don't you get it? I made a funny, son, and you're not laughing. There you go. Yeah. Specifically, wow. she talked about our gay ambassador to Costa Rica. I didn't know they had a gay ambassador to Costa Rica. Hmm. I bet Costa Rica doesn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it'd be great. In Costa Rica, they just love to dance. And, you know, if you had a gay ambassador, he's just going to feel right at home. <laughs> Cindy was apparently similarly outraged saying that the local Christian leaders in Costa Rica were all complaining about us about America and what we're doing how the ambassadors that were chosen were homosexual couples and they were put and sent to all the schools of their country even though it was against their laws to have same sex marriage and they were mad at us because we're polluting their nation <laughs> so She's saying. I'll fact check that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this. <laughs> is this a peer reviewed? <laughs> it is. It is. It's actually it's a, it's a reliable source from Patheos. So th this this person is thinking that apparently uh, Christian preacher is thinking that gay ambassadors are polluting other countries. Uh, any comments besides the ridiculousness of this? Oh. Does it say satire at the very end of the no. article? <laughs> no. Then so like uh, I guess homosexuality is like a contagious disease is what they're treating it like. If you like, I I don't understand how that's even a concern. <laughs> See, the gay gene is inserted in people oh, when they get yes. when when they yes. get vaccines. Yeah, so. oh, that's right. Yeah. I heard about those vaccine things. Yeah. So, yeah. it's, so it's like gay autism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh I get it. Oh, we are so gonna get slammed for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. my goodness! <laughs> Thank you so much for your thoughts on this, guys. Even though they were mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole story is ridiculous. Yeah. Ah, all right, Lilith. Indeed. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> now today we're gonna be talking about Satanism, and you are essentially a Satanist, or I are you? What's that? Or are you? I am. Oh. Um, I would say most of the people in the Satanic Temple consider ourselves Satanists. Um, I was a Satanist before I joined the Temple by way of Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible. Um, but I find the Satanic Temple's take on Satanism much more in line with my own morals. I, I don't really go for the, you know, screw over the weak mentality of the LaVey and philosophy. So, yes, I am definitely a devoted Satanist. Okay, well, maybe you can explain for us and maybe for our audience that might not know because there's like two kinds of Satanists, right? Um, well, there's about as many different kinds of Satanists as there are Satanists in, in some sense because it's a very individualistic religion. Um, basically, it's about finding your own path and what works for you. Um, but yeah, there tends to be two major atheistic branches of Satanism in the U.S. right now. And um, the older one is called the Bayan Satanism. It was, uh, it's based on the Satanic Bible and other writings by Anton LaVey. Um, that book was published in 1967 um, at a time when social Darwinism was considered cutting-edge science. Um, it's, it's sort of a fan book of Ayn Rand and the, you know, you know, the winners take all kind of philosophy. Um, and so that's been around since 1967 in various forms. Um, the temple itself... Uh, is pretty new to the scene. Um, I believe it was founded in 2012, um, oh, really? but it's 
it's immediately exploded. I believe we have, I think, 50,000 members now. So it's, it's kind of overtaking Levian Satanism in a lot of ways in terms of membership. Um, and it's a more modern philosophy uh, that is actually based on older writings, um, starting with Paradise Lost by John Milton, where Lucifer and Satan were sort of almost presented as a hero for the common man, um, mm -hmm. standing up against the tyranny of God. Uh, and that, that trope was taken later with the romantic satanic writers like Shelley and Blake and Anatole France. And, you know, this was around time of revolutions. And they saw Satan as this hero fighting against the tyranny of the church and the church-sponsored monarchy of the time. Um, so for them, you know, Satan embodied freedom and liberty um, and courage and basically human rights, you know, standing up for the rights of everyone equally as opposed to the elite at the top. I'd like to clear something up because Kevin Swatsky and I were having a debate like probably 20 minutes ago where I said that the whole Anton LaVey Satan thing is atheistic and that's correct, is it not? Absolutely. You can't handle the truth! Okay, yeah, so he, he was confusing the two with theistic Satan who actually believe the devil is real and they worship the devil yeah. and, and if, that kind of right. thing. If that's like a general consensus of like the lay person who doesn't understand what Satanism is about, like why would you want to encourage that by calling yourself Satanist? You mean as a as a Antol of uh, somebody that like Anton Levy? Yeah, like uh, if everybody's general idea of what a Satanist is is somebody who worships the devil, and that's like very common, I think anyway. Like, why would you want to equate yourself with that necessarily? Like, why well, wouldn't you choose a different name, Professor? Without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? So that's one of the, the questions we get a lot. And, and the answer is just, we're not doing this for other people. Mm. We're not too concerned about, you know, how other people are viewing us. Um, this is a narrative that really makes sense for us personally. Um, and, you know, there are religions out there where, um, you know, there is not a supreme being. Um, Buddhism, you know, Buddhists don't worship Buddha as a god. Um, yet no one would say to them, oh, well, why do you call yourselves Buddhists? Um, so, you know, we realize there's some misunderstanding about what Satanism is, but surprisingly, there's been a lot of understanding. Um, we've been in the media quite a bit, and I'm kind of constantly surprised seeing comments on YouTube videos and articles. Uh, how many people get the fact that we're atheistic? Mm -hmm. It's it's starting to permeate the, the general culture now, I think, so that's so kind of cool. That was always my opinion, uh, my my. Sorry, my impression. It was always my impression, especially with Anton LaVey, because he was a, a bit of a showman, right? Oh, definitely. He's a carny. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I, it was always, I, I was always under the impression that Satanist was essentially an atheist that just took the, moder or the moniker of being a Satanist to create a bit of a shocking effect to uh, show Christians the, the stupidities of their ways often, especially in political moves. Uh, but then uh, there's also the other side of the coin where you actually have people that actually truly believe in the entity itself. Yeah, there are definitely theistic Satanists out there that worship Satan. Um, I would say they're, they're, in the, they're a pretty small minority compared with the Levian Satanists and the Satanic Temple Satanists. So, okay, so now you have, three, you have three factions here now. Sort of. I mean, the theistic Satanists 
you know, basically every one of them has their own approach. There are some organizations, but, uh, you know, it's kind of all over the place. So, so I guess, I guess the, like uh, what Kevin was saying there, the, uh, the whole idea of the um, image of the goat sacrificing dark magic ritual Satanist is the image that people, especially Christians, have in their mind as soon as they hear the word Satanist. And yeah, absolutely. Especially the evangelicals. I mean, they believe in a literal Satan. Mm. So they say that even if we say we're atheists, we are unknowingly doing Satan's work because we are satanic. Oh, yeah. Atheists are Satanists in their eyes, right? Yeah. Definitely. This yeah. Is, you guys get lumped in with us. Oh, yeah, no. right. It's... This is going to be great because, my, you know, um, when I do this podcast, nobody in my family actually listens to this show. And my mother, who's a, who's a Christian, <laughs> she's a Catholic, she listened to one episode ever. And it was episode number three because I named it Playing with the Devil. <laughs> and she went, and now I, she never admitted this, but I suspect that she listened to that episode because she wanted to see if I was actually playing with the devil. Game over. So I don't yeah, have a very it's real for a lot of people. Super so wait real. till I tell her I was interviewing a Satanist. Oh my god! <laughs> You've been polluted. Be that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, and I like it because it's also like kind of it mocking the theistic satanists mocking the believers and stuff and like you said with the whole shock factor is that you know when they're handing out bibles at schools and then we say you know if you don't stop we're going to start handing out stuff that says join the satanic church that's going to freak them out a lot more than just the atheist thing right so i think it scares them a little bit more which shock value which produces results i mean it's not the same as going down to a public school and handing out church of the flying spaghetti monster pamphlets Panning out, join the Satanists, scares the crap out of these people. Right. And so we've been very effective in going into places where, you know, atheist groups have tried um, and actually getting results. Um, You know, we have all the, we are a religion. We consider ourselves a religion, definitely. We have a shared culture and symbols and a narrative um, and a code of ethics. And so we, you know, we deserve all the same rights that the Christians do. So, yeah, when we go in and we demand those rights, then stuff gets pretty interesting pretty fast. How, how do you know if you're a Satanist? You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Because, hmm. like, I'm an atheist, I'm a socialist, I don't know what <laughs> makes you an atheist and what makes you a Satanist. There's or... a very simple test. So put your hands on the side of your head, see if you can feel a couple of bumps. <laughs> yeah. A couple of protrusions? <laughs> hmm. Horns? Uh, there, you know, um, there's, a, there's a fairly big difference in that, um, at least for the Satanic Temple, we're outsiders, and we really embrace that. We're not necessarily interested in becoming mainstream. Um, you know, our job is not to convince everyone that our, you know, our way is the right way. Um, and, you know, we don't mind that outsider status. That that helps us be a better rebel. No, I'm kind of curious because you said, you know, you, you guys are considering yourself a religion. You have your rituals and all that. What kind of a ritual does somebody who is atheistic in nature have? If you, well, if you, if you don't feel there's actually somebody out there coming in, quote unquote, granting your wishes or your prayers, what kind of rituals do you guys do? Or, what, what or, orgies, I'm hoping. Everybody hopes for that. <laughs> um, no, that's a, that's a really good question. And I would say, um, 
you know, there's a lot of ceremonies, life ceremonies that people do um, that aren't a supplication to a god. So you can have a secular wedding. Um, there's been secular invocations before, you know, city council meetings, that sort of thing. Um, and those are the kind of ceremonies that we do. There's no supplication to any supreme being. Um, an another type that we like to do is uh, a lot like performance art. So it uses shocking images, sometimes nudity, sometimes blasphemy. And it's designed to basically make people think and make people question. Um, so you can think of it as like an avant-garde performance piece in a lot of ways. Interesting. So those are the kind of ceremonies we do. Can I ask you a question? Uh, do you guys so do you guys believe anything supernatural? Nope. We have we believe that um, our view of the world should be best informed by science and reason. And as far as we're concerned, science and reason doesn't show any supreme being or supernatural beings. So that's our stance. Uh, did, I didn't understand that because uh, the 11 satanic rules from the Church of Satan site says that there's a, you must acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. Oh, yeah. Levian Satanism has, it has a strange relationship with magic. Um, their version of magic is that it's, uh, you know, something designed to change you subconsciously. But there's also a lot of kind of supernatural sounding stuff thrown in with that. Yeah. So, you but, know, that's one that's one way that we really differ from Church of Satan. But what what delineates you? Like if you guys are both going by the same name, I, you know, I'm just sort of, yeah. Well, it's we're like this the Satanic the Temple <laughs> and there's the Church of Satan. So mm. it's slightly different. Well, and there's like uh, 40,000 different Christian denominations, so... <laughs> yeah. true. So we, we, we can give the Satanists a couple of denominations, too. We can grant that. <laughs> do, you guys have, do you guys have any other specific views that are in common? Like, I absolutely agree with the uh, physicalism, materialism, the whole science thing. What about, like, politics and stuff? Um, the Church of Satan, basically, uh, their take is that Satanists should not be involved in worldly affairs, that they should, you know, remain secret, um, and they shouldn't involve themselves with politics. But the Satanic Temple, um, action is our form of worship. So activism and, you know, rising up to meet the challenge of the oppression of the religious right in our country, that's kind of our core you know, purpose for being, um, you know, we like to follow in the footsteps of that Miltonian Satan and, and defy, you know, when the religious right wants to insert the religion into our laws, into our schools, into our government. So we feel very strongly that that's, you know, kind of our number one goal. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like central to the belief to be like a libertarian or I hate libertarians. <laughs> no, there's no there's no requirement. We do have some libertarians in, in the Satanic Temple, but uh, you know we're fighting for social justice and equality for everyone. Okay. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that's not on the libertarian agenda. So. How, does yeah, that, how does that work with uh, the self-centered philosophy kind of idea? Like, if so, you have the center, working with other people wouldn't necessarily be in your interest, would it? Um, so if you're if you're coming from a Church of Satan point of view, absolutely, and that's one way that they really differentiate themselves from us. Um, the Satanic Temple, you know, our mission is to basically organize secularists and Satanists, um, you know, to mobilize and get stuff done. And in doing that, um, you know, we 
we see that people are a social animal. We think that the science since 1967 has kind of shown that, you know, we work best when we work together. We're built as a species to work together. And the Satanic Temple is all about that. And, and that's something completely new. Like, you, you really didn't see much Satanic community until we came on the scene. And that's the part that I love most. You know, it's getting to meet and work with other Satanists is something that kind of was un- unheard of before. Sounds like the Church of Satan is like libertarians and the Satanic Temple is like democratic socialists. I'm liking this already. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I find it interesting that uh, a lot of people might not know that uh, Satanists are actually in their creed, if I could say that, are much more um, female friendly than a lot of uh, Christian denominations. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we have female leaders. Um, One of our big pushes politically is for women's rights, especially women's reproductive rights. Um, The religious right has a lot of legislation in the U.S. that's just ridiculous. You know, you have to wait three days for an abortion. You have to read and see these films and info. It's just blatantly wrong. Like abortions cause breast cancer, abortions, you know, make you commit suicide. All this, you know, inaccurate medical information in some of our states is foisted upon you by law. Um, And so we're really fighting that. But, you know, we fight for the rights of everyone who's kind of under under the heel of of the religious rights. Um, Gay people, trans people, you know, just anyone who's hurt by this legislation. So it's very humanism, right? It, it is a lot like humanism. Um, you know, if you look at our tenants, they're very humanistic. Um, we believe in compassion and empathy. Um, one's body is inviolable. Um, people are fallible. If we make a mistake, we should rectify it. You know, our, our tenants are really basic. And, you know, when we show them to people without telling them they're satanic, a lot of people will totally agree with them. Um, and then they turn over the back of our flyer and there's a big pentagram there and you know, then they have to deal with the fact that they just agreed with Satanists. So, uh, so in a lot of ways, we're similar, um, but culturally, we're fairly different. Um, like I said, so many of us were rejected by our parents, by our peers, by our community for any number of reasons: um, being trans, being gay, sorry, um, thinking too much, questioning too much, being an outspoken woman. You know, a lot of us have been rejected over and over again and so at this point it's kind of like the outcast awakens and all these outsiders are getting together to get stuff done from the outside kind of sounds more aligned with skepticism because my issue with a lot of the uh, atheist groups is i'll go in and talk to the atheists and like oh yeah there's no evidence for god but i believe in ghosts and ancient aliens and i'm like i don't fit in here That's because you haven't been touched by ancient aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Anal probed. <laughs> yeah, they're obsessed with that. Um, <laughs> Lilith, I, I see, obviously, you're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, how hard is it for you to be open with your uh, your I- identity, I guess, uh, as a Satanist? I mean, you're obviously not calling from Alabama. So, I mean, how open is the general public in the U.S. for, and should I use the word tolerant? For somebody of your denomination? Um, In this area, you know, we're in one of the most progressive places in the nation. Um, I'm completely open about my Satanism. The Satanic Temple is really public here. 
Um, right now, uh, members are downtown standing next to the Jehovah's Witnesses that are handing out their literature. So we're out there handing out our satanic literature. Um, and we've gotten a really good response. There are definitely people here who are freaked out and just hate us because of the name. There are certainly, um, you know, religious bigots here, evangelicals. But, you know, we're kind of blessed to live in this area where we could be very open. Um, and our campaigns usually, you know, people are supportive of them, which is nice. Now, if you're talking about Arizona, like our Arizona chapter, they get death threats all the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of superstition right there. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky to be here, I would say. Do you guys have, like, uh, T-shirts or anything like that? I'd love to walk around and just offend everybody that walks <laughs> past me. And then if he's going to get beaten up by it, you can just say, oh, I didn't know what it said. I'm blind. <laughs> yeah, I'll walk around with dark sunglasses and a blind cane and a T-shirt <laughs> with a big picture of the devil on it. They're like, I want to beat him, but he's blind, so I don't know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you the link to the um, Satanic Temple shop satan site we'll so, post that. yeah <laughs> well the the problem here is uh, i don't think we have a ch satanic temple church or anything like that anywhere near where we are i don't believe so yeah i'm not certainly there's no temple chapter up there yet but you know i there might be I in vancouver but there might be in vancouver but that's about it yeah, we, it's called city hall in vancouver <laughs> We we did have a uh, a former co-host who just got too busy for the show uh, with full time school and work and stuff, and he said he was a card carrying member, and I'm I'm guessing that's in Vancouver, but he was st talking about wanting to start a uh, satanic temple in this area, like Chilliwack Abbotsford kind of thing. I'd like to get involved in uh, starting something like that. Actually, I don't know how you'd go about doing that. Um. Well. That would be great if you wanted to start that. Um, we're adding new chapters all the time. It's kind of a long process in that you want to have a little community first, and then um, you'll have to do some activism sort of as, as the test. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, they'll approve your application to be a chapter. So it takes a little while, but I will certainly, if you'd like, send you some info kind of on, on what's needed. Um, yeah. yeah, like I, I met these people from this atheist skeptic Fraser Valley group. I don't know, there's 500 members or something like that. So uh, I've known them for several years. I'm sure mm -hmm. lots of people from that group might be interested. Only if you bring your own sacrificial goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question for you there, uh, there, Lilith. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you guys are unconventional in the way of, like, uh, rules and, su and such. And I noticed, uh, like, it's sort of, like, you guys believe that there's not really any objective universal truth and morals. This is something that Tyler and I both disagree on. Oh, you're but, not going uh, into moral relativism, are you? No, I just, uh, I just wonder if you have any ideas of something like, do you have a, a, a code of ethics that you figure is universal and absolute? Well, for us, we have one, and it's the seven tenets. Mm -hmm. um, they're, in, in some ways, they're like the Ten Commandments in that they're guides for our ethical behavior. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't think we have any kind of moral prescription for the rest of the world. That's, that's kind of their business. We think that things that reduce suffering are good mm -hmm. and things that increase suffering are bad. Do you have a list yeah. with you of those seven, those seven tenets? Yeah. I'd like to hear them. Yeah, that'd be great. 
Yeah, sure. Let me. Uh, Sounds like uh, utilitarianism, which I definitely agree with. Kevin, you did a lot of uh, you did a lot of research on this. It seems oh, it fascinates me. Absolutely. Let me read you the tenets. Um, let me get them up here. Okay, so um, our seven fundamental tenets are as following. One, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. And that includes Christians? They're creatures. Oh, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> um, two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Um, three, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Four, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego your own. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's see, I'm down to you. Five, beliefs should conform to our best scientific understanding of the world. We should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit our beliefs. And uh, six, people are fallible. If we make a mistake, we should do our best to rectify it and resolve any harm that may have been caused. And then our last one, number seven, every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. And that's our seven tenets. Interesting. Where's the part about orgies? <laughs> <laughs> Does any of those uh, particularly stand out to you, like, something you encounter a lot or you, you use a lot or follow a lot? Um, certainly the compassion and empathy one really rings true for me. Um, nice. You know, I've, I've practiced Zen meditation for years and years, and I did like the part of Buddhism where compassion is, you know, the highest good as opposed to obedience, which is what you see in a lot of Christianity. Um, and I really love the part about, you know, belief should fit the science as opposed to, us just kind of, you know, distorting facts to fit into our beliefs. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the scientific method and reason as a tool for understanding the world. So do you, guys, do you guys do stuff like fighting for doing something about like global warming and that kind of thing? Um, no, not yet. Um, although, you know, it often is tied with the evangelical movement. So... You know, we'll uh, see yeah, I was just things. thinking science-based and social justice, yeah. and a lot of Christians that I run into just completely reject so the evidence. Against global warming. Yeah, so many, so many. Uh, weird. Well, so many Christians I run into are just don't believe in global warming, and it drives me completely insane because it's probably one of the main things we need to be focusing on, I think. You but. know, I think they should use reverse psychology here. They should say <laughs> Satan is for global warming because it's like hot like hell. <laughs> and then the evangelical Christians are bound to say, oh my God, we got to stop this. <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly in the U.S., it's the right political platform to totally deny climate change. Of course, um, yeah. Now, uh, um, still, you know, um, about a month or so ago, there was a, an invocation, I think it was in Oklahoma, Done by a Satanist. Did you did you see that one, Lilith? This guy is uh, supposed to do an invocation, and he, he's doing the whole show, right? He's wearing like a dark robe and a hood, and he's he tries to do an invocation at the beginning of a, some, some kind of city hall meeting, and all the Christians in the room are standing up, popping their Bibles open, and trying to drown him in, in reading scriptural uh, 
passages, like somehow they're just kind of countering a magic spell. Oh, it's just yeah. absolutely amazing to see. Yeah, I think I saw that. It was because they were they have the customary reading of a Christian prayer, and he's That's like, right. "If you guys are gonna say Christian, I'm gonna say a satanic prayer. Maybe that'll get you to stop." Well, he was supposed to be officially open up the meeting with that invocation, right? It yeah. was it was a turn for for the for the Satanists, but it was just absolutely amazing to see everybody around there just pop open their Bible and try to drown whatever he was trying to say, <laughs> as in somehow they were countering a spell. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! The body of Christ exactly. compels oh, no, you. Oh no, that was really a, a spell. That was in West Florida, our West Florida oh, boy, chapter. Sorry. And uh, I think it was Pensacola. And, you know, eventually <laughs> um, the mayor or whoever was running the meeting, eventually he kicked all those Christians out because <laughs> the guy couldn't do his invocation. Um, so, you know, we kind of win that one. Um, we're doing this really across the country. Uh, we're doing invocations before city council meetings um, or, like, state legislatures. Wherever there's a religious invocation that goes on, we apply to do it as well. And if they say no, but they let the Christians, you know, legally they're on the wrong side of constitutional law there. Mm -hmm. So we can file suit. Which group of Satanists was it that was also behind that Oklahoma story about Baphomet, the statue there? Yeah, so that was one of our biggest first that campaigns that uh, the, the, the Satanic Temple really got in the news about. Um, yeah, there was a Ten Commandments monument um, at the Oklahoma State Capitol, and we filed a petition to install an eight-foot-tall bronze statue of Baphomet, who is this um, winged, goat-headed figure uh, that represents, you know, wisdom and and balance. But of course, you know, to any Christian, it looks like a giant devil. Uh, and we got pretty far with that petition. I mean, legally, they would have had to let us if they continued having the Ten Commandments monument there. So eventually, the Ten Commandments monument was taken down. I, I also hear the statue was actually was actually made itself, right? You guys. Yes. Actually, have the statue somewhere, but not in Oklahoma now. It's moved somewhere else, right? No. So right now, it's in our new headquarters, which is also an art gallery um, up in Salem, Massachusetts, which is known for the, the rich trials from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so we have a new kind of it's kind of a art gallery house there, and we have the Baphomet statue there. Um, it's really beautiful. It, it's all in bronze. Um, oh, and I forgot to add, it has it has two children on either side of it, like kind of gazing up adoringly at, at this Baphomet, this horn <laughs> god thing. Um, and That's right amazing. now, we're in discussions to have it installed on the Arkansas um, state capitol grounds because there's a senator there, Senator Rappert, um, who has proposed the Ten Commandments statue, and they're changing legislation around to, to make sure that he can do it. Um, so if, you know, they've already approved plans to put up that Ten Commandments statue and we've been down there lucian Greaves, our leader has been down there at like a senate committee meeting um talking about our plans and we've applied to put ours up there too so we shall see what happens you know the uh, late christopher hitchens said that the best way to start um taking down things was to uh, the beginning of emancipation if you wish was to start mocking uh figures of authority that you know forbid you from doing these things and i think the, the satanists are doing exactly that and uh i don't know i, I don't think there's any numbers but from the uh, anecdotal stories we're hearing you guys are quite efficient 
in uh, taking the fights to the Christian about uh, what is should be done under the law. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just us wanting the same rights as the Christians, it, it really makes people realize how ridiculous it is that you can have religion and government um, or in the public schools or, or whatever. Um, mm. You know, and in a lot of cases... It's it's worth more to them to keep out the Satanists than to keep the Christians. So yeah, we've been very effective. Um, the yeah. the Seattle chapter, um, our big win last year was uh, there was a high school football coach um, in a town near here who was praying on the fifty yard line after games with his yeah. team, um, and you know he was a school official in an official position on school grounds, you know, with students doing this, and that's that's, that's highly illegal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, the school district told him to stop, but he didn't stop. So right after he did it again, after being told not to, we applied to do a satanic invocation on the football field. <laughs> uh, and within a day of our request, they had suspended that coach and there was no more praying on the field. Wow, so, man. yeah, it, we can, we've been called the nuclear option. <laughs> The perfect it. foil. That's great. I love it. Well, first of all, that coach should, be, should have been praying in the touchdown zone, no, instead of the 50-yard line. Well, yeah. why do you do that? <laughs> you need to go where the winners are, right? You, you, you mentioned Pensacola, and you mentioned this big you know, statue of Baphomet or whatever. I thought it was Bahamut, but maybe I'm confusing no, I, I'm, it too. I'm the one that said it wrong. She said it right. But uh, I, can we go and maybe put it on Kent Hovind's lawn in the middle of the night so when oh, he wakes Kent up the next Hovind. morning, yeah. he goes and sees it and has a heart attack or something? We used to do that. Actually, well, I, I don't know if you guys recall. I don't know if Liv saw that story, but right here in Vancouver, and this was was it around uh, April Fools? There's a huge kind of papier mâché sort of statue that popped up of a I think it was a Vancouver Library of a big naked red devil with a sizable erection. Huzzah! A man of quality. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. We're, what was up with that? Yeah. We're interested interesting people up here in Canada, clearly. You have to add a big penis to it. So uh, I, it makes an impact. Can I take the next question? Yeah, of course. Hey Loth. Um okay, so am I getting this right? Like uh do you guys have a different Bible than the Anton Levay one, first of all? Oh, we don't have any Bible. Um, like we don't have any contemporary um, you know, texts that are, are scriptures or doctrine. Um, the texts that we tend to work from are Paradise Lost by Milton. Yeah. Um, Anatole France in the early 1900s wrote a book called The Revolt of the Angels, um, which kind of gives the narrative of Satan that, that we hew to. Um, but yeah, we don't really have any scriptures like that. Right. Just the seven tenets. That's really the basis of what we... So there well, were, yeah, yeah. Like in my in my brain from the past, um, there was that there was a verse: uh, "Do as thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law." Do you, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, that comes from Crowley. Yeah, that's from Crowley. Um, that just sort of brings me to the question, anyways. Uh, what what do you define love as? What is love, Lilith? Um, for me, I would I would say love is compassion. It's um, the compassion, empathy thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really what it comes down to for me. Um, you know, I've seen compassion have the most power to change 
worlds, including my world. So. Oh, absolutely. If she has a question to tell you, he'll probably tell you it's a biochemical reaction. Uh, well, I was, gu- <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to say, I can give you the evolutionary roots of love. There's a really good article on uh, psychology today, which is the evolutionary origins of love, and it explains why it was you know, beneficial and how monogamy came and why monogamy came for increasing the survival rate of the children and all these different things. But I'll save that for a different day. You know what? If we're here all three men today and we don't have the girls with us and we're talking about love, they'd be so proud. Oh, <laughs> be so proud oh wait. It's not Valentine's Day. No, no, Shoot. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lilith, for all your time. If somebody wants to find out more about what you guys are doing down there, where can they find you? Um, if you go to uh, the website, thesatanictemple.com, um, there's a list of chapters on there, and you can find our chapter. Um, or you can go to thesatanictempleseattle.com, um, and that kind of lists what we're doing. You know, we've got an upcoming upcoming public meeting that people could go to and check us out and see if they want to join. So, yeah, so go there. Excellent. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, uh, gentlemen, do you have any, anything else you want to ask Liz before we let her go? Uh, I just wanted to know if I could find a way to communicate with you and see about maybe trying to set up a, a chapter here because there obviously isn't one. And I'm loving this. This is great. Everything you've said so far, I completely fall in line with. Satanist of Chilliwack. That should be fun. Well, or oh, yeah. Abbotsford or <laughs> we, have, we have some issues here that I think the Satanic Temple would be beneficial. Right now we're fighting for uh, doctor suicide and we're trying to repeal the blasphemy laws. So it'd be you know blasphemy laws? They're, they're still is. on the book. It actually yeah. hasn't been used since it, the 80s. It's happening right now. Like They're just in the middle of you know fighting it and fighting it yeah. and trying to repeal the it. The BC so humanists are, are yeah, pretty much fighting That's right what's now. going on at the moment. That's kind of the big political complaint here that we're... We just, they just ended the Bible distribution in the public schools in Abbotsford, so they're moved on to this. So. The last time the blasphemy law was used is when the movie Life of Brian came out. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not really taken seriously, but it is on the books nonetheless, and it should be removed. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I'll do is um, I'll message Kevin right now with my email address. So please email me and remind me of your questions, um, and I'll send you all the info I can about the chapter. Because it would be really great to have a Vancouver chapter. Um, I just helped the Portland chapter get up and running. Um, nice. And, nice. you know, us Pacific Northwest people kind of got to stick together. So, yeah, I would love it if there was a Vancouver chapter. One last <laughs> thing i got to ask of you, Lilith, before I let you go. Can I get you to say, hi, I'm Lilith the Satanist, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Lilith the Satanist, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Lilith the Satanist. Fantastic interview. Great subject, and I hope we certainly clarified way more what's going on with them and what resides in the community as far as uh, different religions are concerned. Thank you so much, for guys, for you, uh, for all of you for listening and for Tyler and Kevin for joining me today for the show. It was a great show. Coming up, we have our Halloween episode next week. Ghost in the Valley will return, and we'll have our friends... From the Legion of Reason, Randy Tyson and Christine will be joining us around the campfire to tell ghost stories. Be sure to catch this. We should have a, we have a show coming November on criminal justice. Our friend Arn Raw returns to talk about his book. We'll be talking about ancient aliens. We'll have a debate on uh, in December. We're also going to be talking to Damian Mary at Hope, an atheist from Facebook. We'll also be talking about St. Paul with David Fitzgerald. And of course... We can't finish the year without our Christmas special. 
Thank you so much for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Facebook, liftofthevalley.com. You can follow us on Twitter at LATV Podcast. You can send us an email at outlook.com. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you'd like to recommend, what would you like to hear for a subject. Make sure to listen to us, and we'll make sure to bring you the quality show we always bring. Thank you so much, guys. Until next time. isn't real but jesus is or zeus throw a myth for fish knew you don't believe in them i think the reason is apparent you do what you're told and believe in the god assigned by your parents i'm proud to be an atheist a skeptic a non-believer an infidel a heathen i call it how i see it i say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims that's something to be ashamed i'm an atheist